You're listening to Ink Studs, and my guest this week is Durf Backdurf. Uh, Durf has been on a couple of times before, first to talk about his punk rock and trailer parks book, which came out, oh, I can't remember. 2010. 2010. Uh, and then uh, a couple of years, two or three years after that, to talk about his uh, exploding memoir, uh, My Friend Dahmer, uh, which... I think we can frankly say it's probably changed your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're back with your new book, Trashed, uh, which revisits some older material you'd worked on in the past, uh, if I understand right, but giving it new context and expanding and making a full book mm-hmm. out of it. Um, I think maybe before we jump into Trashed, I want to talk about the effect, because I think when we talked about Dahmer... Um, it had just come out. It was like really early on, uh, and it just kind of blew up. And just kind of that experience yeah. of like going from, because uh, for for the most part, you were a newspaper cartoonist for quite a while, right? Yeah, and one time. I, I think if anyone's been paying attention to comics at all, that's just not a reality. Uh, that's not a thing anymore no no, i think uh i think there's some dinosaur comics and some things and uh, most of the weekly guides actually went online they've you know transitioned over to online models that seem to be working for them but uh i just had no interest in that yeah and and i think it's to your uh uh success um, yeah best move i ever made kind of made me wonder why i was wasting my time in newspapers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is what years which is funny because it's yeah, like the tradition the tradition job. is you know you do newspaper comics and that's the reputable shit it used to be yeah well not so much weekly comics but uh no. um. well tell me about that kind of that catching on and that uh experience of like going from uh you know, just doing occasional cards around to... town to like flying to France and having the most delicious looking meals in the world. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's been everything that I'd hoped it would be and more. I mean, I, I think uh, when the book was released, the first printing sold out on the first day. So, you know, at that point, I think, hmm, looks like it's going to be a hit. Um, and it's just kept steamrolling since then. And, you know, all the foreign editions have really just helped keep it going. And and there's, you know, the movie option, which apparently is barreling ahead. So, I mean, that could become a reality. And though I'm not, you know, you don't hold your breath until it, you know, finally is green-lighted. But until you see the flicker of the... Right, until you're actually in the theater. Um, I don't know how any of the films are ever made. It seems like it's just such an incredibly complex... Uh, process but you know it just keeps going and going and going and uh it's it's pretty amazing did it changed my life i mean it just uh turned the whole thing around you know to paraphrase elvis costello i'm a overnight sensation after 30 years working (laughs) (laughs) um how did that change you of how you uh approached your work well i mean you know I, i cut down all the got rid of all the newspaper stuff that was number one and just you know um 
But even it, in a sense of the stories that you want to tell or that you're going to tell. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, it's all this stuff. You know, really, Punk Rock and Trailer Parks is the one that gave me the confidence to tackle long-form storytelling because I hadn't done it before then. Mm-hmm. And that's the book. I just kind of entered it, entered into it. Um, and I was, you know, coming off cancer treatment. So it was like now or never as far as I was concerned. And uh, I just entered into it with no fear because at that point, what did I have to lose, you know? And uh, and it turned out very well. Um, and that gave me the confidence to springboard into my friend Dahmer. And then, you know, when you get two of them under your belt, and it's like, well, hell, I can do anything I want pretty much. And so I, I just try to keep hanging on to that, you know, that, that feeling of I'm not going to back away from anything. If I, if I, if I want to do it, I'm going to do it. So, from some of the stuff I read about the book and within the book itself, you're kind of um, covering your life in a way uh, with, you know, Dahmer and this kind of, in a way, taking place after your life or after that, you know, as far as growing up and being the next Well, day. my real, yeah, to explain it, if I can. Yeah, you'll say it better than I will. I was, I was a garbage man. Um, shortly after the uh, events of my friend Dahmer. I was like 79 and 80. It was a garbage man. Um, in fact, uh, Jeff, after he finished carving up his first victim, put uh, a lot of the remains out for the trash. <laughs> and it was only a few months later that I climbed on the back of the truck. So I was that close to picking up Dahmer's first victim in the garbage. But I'm uh, sure some of your coworkers unknowingly had to deal with it. Uh, yeah, possibly, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, that's just kind of like, welcome to my world. Yeah. Um, but uh, the trash, yeah, like punk rock and trailer parks, they're both fiction. And But I use, you know, I, I mine my own experience for material. Um, I, I really, I kind of like working that way. I, I actually prefer working that way. I like the freedom of fiction, but I like the element of truth that, you know, real life experience gives your writing. So, um, so far that's worked out pretty well. Now, that's not to say that I won't, you know, venture off into other directions in the future. I very likely will. But um, that's what I've done so far. It allows you, I guess, some liberties and distance. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, 1980 is a long time in a rearview mirror. And, you know, I, I don't want to do period pieces for the rest of my life. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I wanted to put it in the present day, trash that is. Yeah. And I wanted to freshen it up and, and, uh, and you know, that, that allowed me to do that. The funny thing is I didn't even realize it was not taking place then until someone mentioned Craigslist. And I was like, oh, what the oh, fuck? Like- Oh man, you need to look a little. There's like a cell phone in like the page three. But, oh Jesus! Uh, yeah, you're yeah. Close reading, eh? Jesus, I'm That's just failing are. as a. Uh, yeah, page yeah as page. A journalist. Oh yeah, there we go. Uh, beep beep beep. I know, and he's oh. driving like a PT cruiser. You, there are a lot of people that say that. You know, they just think that. Maybe it's because of my friend Dahmer, but they think you know everything I write is going to be memoir. Well, I think also part of it is um, you're not placing a dependency on on that context. Yeah, like you're just you're you're telling the story, 
right. um, that's not requiring Twitter as uh, as an aggregate. Oh uh, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. Whatever the reason that uh, it's something I've found it people bring up uh, frequently, but you know, I, I really couldn't have done anything more than than I did. <laughs> but um, you know, that's just the way it is. <laughs> um, so with this book. When you first started it, did you just kind of want to talk about the story of just those experiences as a garbage man? Uh, I'm curious about that, like, transitioning from that into just kind of the culture of, or not necessarily culture, but the industry. Oh, the garbage facts. Disposal. Right. That actually came from uh, discussions at the very beginning with my editor at Abrams, Charlie Kochman. He's the one who suggested, we were talking about all this garbage stuff, which I kind of knew a lot of it off the top of my head just because I'm interested in it, you know, because I was in the middle of it. And he said, man, put that, we got we to put that in. I mean, that's really fascinating. And I thought, yeah, I can do that. And uh, it was actually his idea to do the book at all. I was not even thinking about doing it as my next book. Um, it was a webcomic project that I was working on. Mm-hmm. Um, just for fun, you know, just to... Because coming from newspapers to to books, the thing I missed the most was that kind of constant output, you know. With newspapers, you're putting something out every week. And with a book, it's, you know, <laughs> two, three years between, yeah. between books. And I, I like being a little more, I don't know, a little more productive is not the right word because I'm always working. But, you know, yeah, more frequently. So yeah. I thought, well, I'll just do a webcomic just for fun. And it was a trashed webcomic, and that's where this project started. And I actually did one episode after Punk Rock and Trailer Parks, and I think another right after My Friend Dahmer. You know, because you get that big gap between when you finish a book and when it comes out. It's like, you know, sometimes it's a year just because it's off wherever it is and China being printed or whatever. It's- Especially when you're dealing with a big company like April, right. it's got to be like slotted into their. Right. Well, yeah, it's slotted in their schedule. Yeah. So that's where I started this book, and um, and I was just going to go back to it, and, and you know we were talking about this, and I mentioned it, and Charlie said, "Well, what's that?" And we talked about it, and he goes, "Man, let's do that as the next book. That's great." So then I scrapped the web comic and started writing the book. Um, so that's actually kind of the publication history of it. Now, um, from from the telling in there, it seems it was uh, excessively gruesome at times. Um, oh, being a garbage man! I, I'm gonna say yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's kind of uh, just when you think uh, it can't get any any more disgusting, it it does. Um, you know, when you're in it, you get really used to it really fast. But from the outside, it's it's pretty funny. Um, I used to tell these stories all the time, you know, for years before I worked on it as a comic project, and I'd usually wait till dinner parties or something to just start talking about them just for <laughs> just for laughs. <laughs> now, do you save it for your fancy French dinners? Yeah, well, they've all read the book, so you know, I mean, the book is actually a huge hit in France, <laughs> so they all want to hear more, you know. Um. What was it like for you, like, coming across these, like, disgusting things at first? Like, how did that shell shock? Well, yeah, I mean, I, it's pretty much as I describe it in the book, you know, just kind of recoiling in horror Yeah. Uh, first. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just 
you know, it's stuff you never forget, you know, the first time you find a can full of maggots, the first time you go to the dump, um, which is just this vast crater of garbage, you know, it's like uh, you can't even see the outside world when you're in it, it's so huge. I was really astounded by how deep they go. Oh, yeah, yeah, 400 feet deep, some of them, yeah, 500 did, feet. Did you see any of those deep ones when you're doing your research? Um no, those are mostly out west, uh, or in uh, Georgia, too. There's some deep ones in Georgia. Uh, the dump I went to, I, in fact, I just went to it again recently uh, to prepare for, like, a talk. I was going to take some slides. And it's been closed for probably, I don't know, 15, 20 years. But when I went there, um, the dump uh, used to drive into it, like I depict in the book. You know, you drive down maybe 50 feet into this crater of garbage. And when I visited it now, it was a hill that was probably 100 feet high. Wow. And this was not a new dump when I was going to it. It had been there a long time. It had been there at least 20 years. So, I mean, it's probably well over, I would say it's probably 250 feet deep. And uh, it's now just these rolling hills of grassland, you know, with all these methane pipes sticking up out of it. But there are no critters. There are no birds. There are no... You know, the people, the birds don't go near it because it, obviously, they can sense what's underneath it. Isn't the methane toxic for them? Methane could be. It's made. It's highly explosive. Yeah, isn't that what? It's like, not just vented out into the atmosphere. Yeah. You know, siphoned off, but um, some it of it must filters. Get out. Right, some of it must get out. Um. So, is this your first real adult job? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I dropped out of art school. I went briefly and uh, came home, and it was the only job I could find. Uh, really shitty jobs were kind of hard to find back then, believe it or not. Now, of course, it's all you can find. But, but back then, everybody had good jobs. So it was really hard to find, like, a you know, shitty job for someone who had no skills at anything. Mm -hmm. And this was the only one I could find, and uh, I did it for a while. Um, was that, do you think, like, kind of, you know, an exceptionally shitty job? It was one of those, like, really good kicks in the ass of pushing yourself to really go with the art career? Oh, sure. I say it. I've said it many times. Garbage made a man out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, by the time I was finally done with, there was no way in hell I was getting back on that damn thing. So I was, I was plenty motivated when I when I uh, got back to school. In fact, I have uh, garbage. one of the trucks we worked on we named Cyclops, which you know from the book. Mm -hmm. um, and I have an actual picture of Cyclops framed hanging over my drawing board. It's been there for years. <laughs> Just as like a reminder. <laughs> Keep drawing. Now, did uh, you have any thoughts on like consumer culture that came from working there or maybe oh, sure. further yeah. research? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the most astounding figure um, that I uncovered in the extent of my research was that um, a third of the trash that we send to the landfill, this is in the U.S., though Canada is not much different. Um, Isn't Canada worse, apparently? Per capita, yeah. yeah. Per capita, yeah. You're welcome. Uh, you know, there's a bit, you know, there's only, what, uh, 35 million of you, and there's 300 us so yeah. in terms of volume i mean there's no comparison but 
per capita. I think that's because of the rural areas. You know, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Um, anyways, a third of what we send to the landfill is packaging. Mm-hmm. So a third of the crap that we send to the landfill is the crap that our crap comes in. That really kind of sums up our current state of, uh, of uh, ridiculous consumption. That sounds about right. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid in high school, something and there'd be a thing on just like the the issues of overpackaging and showing us uh, the examples of the <coughs> noodles that would come in a styrofoam cup, but then there'd be a paper wrapper around it, and then that would be saran wrapped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And styrofoam's the worst. I mean, you know how long styrofoam takes to decompose in a landfill? It doesn't. That's right. It'll be forever. <laughs> it never decomposes. You're trying to trick me with that, Durf. Yeah, I did. Did you gotcha. remember? I I read the book. Just, you missed the cell phone, but you caught the facts, so that's yeah. good. Um, one of the things I was thinking, as well as the consumer culture, is um, kind of uh, class culture. And, I mean, there's a couple of different things with, with the class culture. One is uh, the observations as far as uh, um, where you talk about uh, the amount of garbage uh, is equated with class. Oh right, um, rich versus poor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a lot of stuff, a lot of favorite themes. I just kind of threw in here. Um, you know, there's uh, the for the uh, really stubborn racism and misogyny of a small town, and particularly small town government, and and, and uh, we can see how. What do you say? You know, kind of the the uh, class issues and, and how, you know, especially garbage men are really kind of invisible to the, the people they work for. And um, there's a lot of uh, fun stuff. All that comes really kind of from my observation on the back of the truck about how we were treated and what I saw. So that all sprung from that. But, um, you know, I don't want to make it sound like this is this kind of dull story. I mean, it's anything <laughs> but, really. It's this kind of rollicking, raucous comedy, I'm, you know, with these crazy characters and I managed to work all this stuff in while still keeping, hopefully, still keeping, you know, the story propelling along and and uh, the laughs coming. Yeah, people seem to be responding to it very well, so I guess I pulled it off. No, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I knew it would be good before reading it. I guess did a presumption. <laughs> oh, yeah, well. I expected. Um, no, it, it's it's actually been really neat to see how. Uh, your cartooning style has really adjusted uh, and taken on a whole new scope um, from earlier works to this work and really developing. Yeah, my last big reboot, probably. I mean, I don't have you know that much time left, so <laughs> I can't I can't imagine trying something new. But this was it's like my third reboot. So uh, you know, because I started out as a political cartoonist, believe it or not. Yeah. But um, it- but I mean, even like stylistically, like right. Uh, That's you're what I'm still, talking. You're you're really fine tuning. Oh, thanks, thanks. I try to get a little better with each book without you know like losing the root, um, the stylistic root. 
because mm-hmm. you know my earlier work is pretty experimental and uh, it like changed styles dramatically and wildly and it's like I finally got tired of that. I just want to tell good stories, so um, I hope I'm just refining things rather than uh, scrapping everything and starting over. Mm-hmm. All my books tend to look. I mean, you can see that they look like they're done by the same person, so I feel pretty good about that. Mm-hmm. It's a five-year period, and they all look like they're done by the same hand. So, one of the things I was thinking about. I mean, you talked about doing uh, um, political cartooning in the past, and I, w- I want to talk a little bit about that in a bit. But um, the other part of that is like not doing that specifically with this, where you kind of touch on um, class issues and stuff. But really, like y- you mentioned about how you really want to look at the joy and the fun and the the weird characters and stuff and how mm-hmm. I, I mentioned that like kind of escapism into that of like not getting caught up especially right now it's really easy to get caught up in, in a political milieu politics yeah right exactly. down there though so you guys are doing a little better than we are right now we are <laughs> but we you know we've yeah. got we've got the pretty prime minister so who knows how that's gonna end right well yeah who knows how anything will end but yeah um yeah no I, I really um you know, I have my time as a political cartoonist, and, you know, for a while there, I, I did really good work. But, uh, I, you know, you can't really sustain that, at least I couldn't, for a long time, like, you know, more than four or five years. It just, it just you know, I can't stay angry all the time, you know, and you really have to have that kind of built-in rage to be a good political cartoonist. Uh, and all my buddies who are, you know, like Tom Tomorrow or someone, I mean, they're, they're just like that, you know, that's the way they are. It's part of their personality but um i kind of had to manufacture it you know or at least like uh work myself into a state i mean i, I don't want to make it sound like i was just making it up but uh and i i couldn't sustain it so um uh I, i'd much rather you know just tell different kinds of stories and, and leave the politics to people who are better suited for it and how does that work for you as a creator um shifting your focus and just uh, it's like exhilarating. It. Well, this one particularly has been exhilarating. Um, yeah, I'm having the time of my life. I mean, you know, it's just all taken off for me. I mean, I was, you know, fairly successful as a weekly cartoonist. And the weekly strip actually started off, it wasn't political at all. It was more social humor, Gen X humor. It was all that, you know, kind of fun stuff back in the 90s. And it became political once uh, Bush seized power and after 9-11 it became very political and you know for a while I was doing really good political political cartoons I mean as good as you know I don't want to sound like a braggart but I was good as anyone I mean I won a Robert F. Kennedy award at one point for political cartooning so but like I said I just couldn't sustain it Mm -hmm. and uh, this uh, telling these these books is just uh, it's the most gratifying thing that I've ever done, and that's not to say the other stuff wasn't gratifying because it was, but this is just kind of off the charts. Does it? I'm interested in kind of that memory and how you kind of recapture that memory of of when you were young, because you're saying like this is you know 35 years ago mm-hmm. uh, when this the, <coughs> you you went through this experience, um, right. and how how much do you grab from that, and how much um, do you find is filtered into the book? Some, certainly. Um, you know, I, I 
always been a writer too, so I did keep notes and and journals and things like that, where I'd throw a lot of stuff, like drawings and and uh, photos and things, and those were really uh, invaluable, particularly for my friend Dahmer, because I kept a very uh, detailed journal in high school, mm-hmm. and that was, I mean, because there, you know, there was my my quote unquote voice my 17-year-old voice, my 16-year-old voice, right there on the page. I mean, I didn't have to imagine what it would be like. There it was. So um, I pulled a lot of material. That was really kind of the basis of that whole book. I started with, with those journals. Um, you know, trash, to, yeah, it was pretty much the same thing. I mean, it's still, I'm a very good, I think most writers have a very good memory. You know, I mean, you almost you have to. And an ear for dialogue and a remembrance of, what things felt like and, and experience and things like that. I mean, it's kind of essential. I was thinking about how observant you must be uh, reading this, and then I read the True Stories right. comic, and you, you kind of got to be on point and paying a lot of attention a lot of the time. Yeah, it's very, it's kind of a very natural thing. Um, you know, I guess it's probably my one great talent is that I just have a real, I can just pick like these little pieces of dialogue out of a, out of a crowd, you know, and somebody says something really weird that would make a great cartoon. It's just like a little, you know, ping in my head. I write it down really quickly. It's just I've always been able to do that. So, um, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a gift. Do you find yourself uh, naturally attracted to odd characters and folks? Well, I'd say I must be. <laughs> the evidence <laughs> of my eyes would say, yeah, yeah, that's the way it is. Um, <laughs> Uh, now, you know, some of it has to do with the experiences that I've had. I mean, when you work on a garbage crew, obviously you're going to meet some pretty colorful characters. Yeah, when yeah. you work in newspapers, you're going to meet some pretty colorful characters, especially weekly papers. Well, daily papers, too. So I mean, I've always kind of uh, been attracted to them or, or have just, you know, it's always been my reality. So um, I can't explain high school. I guess I just kind of <laughs> fell into that. That's uh no one can. Yeah, that's kind of unexplainable. But um must be my natural state. I I don't I don't question it. <laughs> now, um I want to talk a little bit about uh politics, uh, especially with stuff going on right now. And uh do you, are you kind of like resisting an urge because there is just so much fodder uh, there is, and you know, I get a lot of requests from people. Oh man, you got to do something about this, and you know, there's no temptation at all. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of like you know, a, a baseball player who's hung up his spikes. You know, I just, I just don't feel the the compulsion to to do any more political stuff. I just don't. Uh, a lot of the problem is, is that um, I found myself the end kind of repeating you know it's like yeah i did this cartoon like 15 years ago and nothing's changed yeah yeah um right now i'm there's a site called go comics which is uh you know the big clearinghouse for syndicated comics uh universal press and so all their comics are on there they got a bunch of web comics and i was on there for years and when i closed the strip down they said well let's just post your old stuff so i've been posting these very old comic strips uh, of the first year of the city from 1990, 1991, and some of them could run today. Well, and it's just like, well, you know, I've been over this before. I mean, the the, the characters change, but this, this stuff is just the same. 
and I'll leave it to angrier, like I said, I'll leave it to fresher, angrier voices than mine to uh, to comment on this. There's also part of it, at least from my own point of view, where it's almost too easy and cheating right now. Well, I mean, just repeat exactly what people are saying. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's an interesting point because that became a big problem toward the end, this kind of crowdsourcing humor, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, people would just start, like, running with stuff and, like, like banding together to... And I found it really hard to, like, come up with something that hadn't already been done, <laughs> done by somebody, you know? And, you know, you'd, sometimes you do something and it's like, oh, yeah, I read that on Twitter or Instagram, you know, last week. And, you know, here, blah, here it is. It's like all these amateurs are doing this political humor and there's so many of them. Yeah. It, um, it, became, it became a problem to try to, you know, find a way to stay quirky enough that what I said was original. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a real that was that was an issue. And I guess that um kind of goes with no one can tell your story but you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um Now you're going to Angoulême and possibly the Netherlands in the new year. Well, this right. will be the new year when this is posted. Hi folks, it's 2016. Um hey. <laughs> Wow, the world has changed. Yeah. Um, what's it like, um, prepping for like a two month, one month tour? I can't imagine. Six weeks. Yeah. Six weeks. Um, uh, and it's just like a couple of countries. Right. Little well, countries. France, Belgium, and, uh, well, France isn't a little country. France, Belgium, and the Netherlands, probably the Netherlands. Um. You gotta remember, I live in Canada. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, everything's <laughs> a little country compared to, compared to ours. Um. I keep trying to describe that to the French, you know, they they like don't understand. It's like, look guys, you know, your entire country would fit easily inside Texas. <laughs> yeah. And they just you know, they just can't really even comprehend the sheer scale of North America, you know. Um they think, Where's Ohio? Is that, you know, somewhere near New York? No, no, it's not near New York. Um of course New Yorkers are that way too. Yeah. Well, even for me, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's kind of near New York because yeah, D.C. Yeah. is so huge. <laughs> right, right. Um, exactly. And, you know, um, so it's, uh, you're basically living out of a suitcase for, you know, the entire time you're there. But I've gotten really used to it. I mean, this will be my ninth trip wow. in the last, since my my friend Dahmer came out. So, you know, I've been going like three times a year. Um and it's, it's, you know, it's just a lot of fun. They take really good care of you. Um, you eat very well, as you know. Uh, everybody just couldn't be more welcoming and gracious. And it's just, it's just a blast. And the fans are out the door, you know, to get, your, uh, get you to sign their books. And it's just, I mean, it's just amazing. Nobody loves comics the way the French and the Belgians love comics. Nobody. It's obscene. It's, and it's, it's amazing to be part of that, you know. And, and uh, to have particularly have my books, and all three of them are, I mean, Punk Rock and Trailer Parks was released in France after My Friend Dahmer, and it became a bestseller. And now Trashed is a bestseller out of the gate. So all three of these books, these crazy little tales of, you know, the American Midwest, have found, you know, an audience there. It's just, I can't believe it. And I just walk around Paris just laughing to myself, you know. It's like, how the hell did this happen? 
Yeah, it is interesting because, it, like, especially Trash Downfield and Trailer Parks, I mean, Dahmer is extremely universal. Um, You'd be surprised. The French had no idea who he was. Really? No idea. That varies a lot from country to country. Um, like, the Dutch had heard of him. The Germans, not surprisingly, knew who he was. <laughs> like, oh, yes, 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 he's on our $5 <laughs> bill. Um, right here in our serial killer database. Yeah, uh, I think the Belgians had some idea. The French, none. I'm not sure about the Spaniards, and I don't know about the Koreans. Is uh, that all the languages it's out in right now? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Spanish. Obviously, it's all over South America and Central America too. So that probably varies from country to country as well. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't really matter because once you read the book, you get caught up in the story, and you know, you figure, you understand who he was and what he did. Yeah. So yeah. it just holds up on its own. You don't have to know who Dahmer was. Yeah. It's probably a little bit of a different reading experience, but it's still, I think, a good reading experience. There's also something about, like, I wonder about young readers now because there's <laughs> kind of a generation gap at this point. Uh, because, I mean, when was he killed? 93? That's, you know, yeah, I'm before. sure you have a lot of readers that are younger than that. Right, but, you know, it just won the big Scholastic Book Award last year in France. Yeah. For high school kids, they all voted on it, and it, it won the award, so it's being taught there. Yeah. Uh, no, and that's what I'm saying. respond to it on a certain, I mean, there are universities, yeah. you know. There's a, yeah. That's what I always look for in a story, is I look for universals, things that people can latch on to, you know, from their own experience. Like with Trashed, everybody's had a shit job, yeah. you know. Uh, with Dahmer, everybody's known a weird kid in high school who didn't fit in. And, you know, punk rock, everybody's had that, you know, kind of transcendent transformation through music, especially when they're young, and finding a, uh, you know, a place in the world through the counterculture or through music. So these are the things I tend to look for in stories. And I find people respond to them, even if the time period is completely out of theirs. Yeah. Well, that's what I was trying to say with the Dahmer thing, like... It's connected with a lot of folks who have no idea who he is, even in North America, probably because he doesn't have that same uh, lasting legacy as much as folks who are still alive in prison making. Oh, you'd be surprised. Oh, geez, there's a whole. Oh yeah. Dahmer fandom out there. Ugh. It is. It's gross. A lot of them are uh, young women. Not surprisingly, young single women, as far as I can tell. They're not interested. He he wouldn't have been interested in you, ladies. I, I, it's what I keep telling him, and you know, I constantly hear things like I'm attracted to his, you know, his tortured soul and his beautiful eyes, and it's like, oh, jeez, man, no. you know, this guy was a parasite. Do you understand that? He did nothing but spread misery and heartache. Yeah, and, you know, it's just this 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 bizarre uh, urban legend. I guess would be a good way to describe it. That sprung up, built up around him, like really almost no other serial killer. He's this seems to be special to Dahmer alone. And, uh, you know, I've taken a lot of grief over that because I, you know, I counter that uh, urban legend in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and they don't like that, you know, bubble being popped. So I get lashed out a lot, at a lot, by, by those, those types of people. Well, if you're going to be pissing anyone off, those people are fine to piss off, I think. Yeah, you know, it's just, I, think most, of it's, I think most of it's just, you know, harmless hobby stuff like you know guys sitting in the basement with you know their star wars figurines but um so it's a little creepier <laughs> yeah yeah um 
Now you mentioned uh, you're doing a web comic now, or you've started up a web comic right. that you got a grant to finish. And tell me about that. Uh, it's called the. Uh, it's on my. Uh, it's on my uh, web website, uh, DurfCity.com, and it's called the Baron of Prospect Avenue. It's actually a continuation of Punk Rock and Trailer Parks. Okay. So it's kind of uh, picking up where that book left off, and it's just really just kind of a labor of love. It's just kind of this funny, goofy story that uh, I'm, I'm putting together in a different way. Um, I don't really have it completely written, you know. I'm kind of like writing it in parts and seeing how that will work out. You know, it's kind of a writing experiment almost. Um, and I've got like, I don't know, 10 pages up now. And I took a break for a while because of Trashed, finishing up Trashed, and then the promotion, you know, I was on this forced march across several continents. Um, and now I'm just starting to pick it up again. But almost on a lark, I applied for this arts grant, and I'll be damned if they didn't give it to me. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, which I'm very grateful for. So, you know, I don't have to run like a, you know, uh, uh, crowdfunding thing I was just gonna they said yeah that sounds great here here's some money so I'm gonna have fun with it and you know we'll see what happens that'll be awesome how yeah. uh, how long do you expect it to go for good question um, you know a book is well punk rock and trailer parks is about 150 pages so it'll probably eventually clock in somewhere around there it's not going to be a big book like trash which was like 240 pages is that your biggest one so far yeah, that by far, yeah, yeah. I think Dahmer was about two twenty something, but Dahmer trashed is denser. Yeah, Dahmer, you know, had basically four panels to a page. It was the basic page layout. I wanted it that way. You know, I wanted it this kind of slow, uh, almost languid pace that got creepier and creepier and creepier. So that was by design. But trashed and punk rock are much denser. They're you know like six panels to a page or eight panels sometimes. Well, yeah, trash, that kind of, it really helps, too, just because it's so, it's just dirt everywhere and garbage yeah. everywhere. I'm getting really good at drawing garbage. <laughs> <laughs> do it in my sleep. You can do, like, the perfect bag of dog shit. Oh, absolutely. Uh, right now I can do it for you if you want. I'll, <laughs> I'll send it to you. <laughs> I don't know if that makes very good radio. Yeah, well, it's true. It's I don't true. know. Um, I don't know. Sorry, folks, it's not a video thing. Yeah, well, buy the book. You can get all the dog shit you could ever, ever want to see. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining me today, Durf. Oh, hey, it's fun. Um, as I mentioned, the new book is Trashed, as well as his other works, including My Friend Dahmer, Punk Rock Trailer Parks, and the new thing, which name? True Stories. The True Stories, yes, from Alternative. And then the webcomic, which the name right. already popped out of my head. The Baron of Prospect Avenue. The Baron of Prospect Avenue. Right. Um, yeah. And then more, more books, more work, you know, work until you die. <laughs> and enjoy your uh, your big trip. Oh, I will. I'll have a blast. It'll be... It'll Everybody be should go to Angoulême at some point in their lives, really. Uh, it's just, it is like heaven on earth. Yeah. Were you there last year for the Waterson year? Yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah, that was a little creepy because it was right after Hebdo. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so that was really uh, a different experience. And then the year before was my first year when I won the prize. So, I mean, that was like, you know, the greatest moment of my life. Uh, yeah, I so talked, I'm hoping this year will be more back to normal. I talked to uh, Dylan Horrocks, who was there 
Yeah, Dylan's a great guy. Uh, not long after, he said it was really intense and yeah, just some of the community stuff they were doing to kind of bring people together and stuff. And oh, after Hebdo, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was really uh, oh man, it was it was very emotional because um, it was you know there were weeks after the shootings and uh, actually in Paris, my hotel like always put me up in is right around the corner from the Hebdo offices. Uh, okay. So I just walk by it like you know. <laughs> 30, 40 times when I'm in Paris, and it's, uh, you know, it was very, very emotional to see all the flowers and all that, you know, stuff laid out in front. Ugh. And I wonder Try how, I wonder how the recent attacks in Paris will affect things, too. Yeah, I don't know, you know, it's probably a lot like, uh, you know, the subsequent attacks in the U.S. I mean, you just, at a certain point, you just kind of get used to it, you know? Yeah. It doesn't have quite the stunning power that the first big one does um yeah it's that's our reality oh yeah and on that pleasant (laughs) (laughs) eat all the cheese you can yeah read about garbage have a good laugh there we go thank (laughs) you so much darf thanks robin Oh